Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your host, your boy, your boy, your number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy. And thanks to the alt-right, I'm also your number one cuck boy, cuck boy. Joining me in the High and Mighty studio, as always, is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. And also joining me, I don't know why I screamed that <laughs> Also joining me in the High and Mighty studio is... Comedian, actor, writer, podcast host in yeah. his own right. Yeah. I always want to say Don is your last name because it's just instinctive for me. <laughs> Griffin Newman. Give it up for Griffin, oh. studio audience. Oh, will thank ya? you. Thank you all so much. Thank uh, you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for uh, allowing me into your uh, your apartment. With yeah, your dog. please. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. not allowed out, but you're allowed in. That's I'm allowed sure. in. <laughs> yeah. they gotta, you got to find your own way out. Yeah. Wait. I was trying to do the math on this. How did we first, and I figured, well, save it for the air. It can kill time. Sure, sure. How did we first meet? Were you in a class of mine? I was in an intensive. You took you. an intensive. Right. I think a 201. Yeah. Not that I not that I was in that I taught, right? But you taught. Yeah, yeah. You taught. I know you've been around for a long time, but it was early yeah. on when I was teaching. But that yeah. was like 2009? Yeah. Wow. wow. And then you were in Strong Island? I was. <laughs> I was indeed. As yeah. one of my only friends that looks young anymore. So yeah, I was right. like, uh, please, I need someone to play a high school kid, <laughs> kid? that yeah. is also 18. Yeah. <laughs> please, Griffin, yeah. come out to Long Island. Hang out. At, so you've been to my mom's house. We're not that good of friends. We don't hang out that much. But I've met your mom. You've been to my mom's house and now my apartment, which yes. is more than like close friends of <laughs> yeah, mine can yeah. say. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to have you. Uh, happy to be here. And we'll be talking yeah. about the Fast and the Furious film franchise. But before that, let's just read some five-star reviews of my podcast. So as always, listeners, if you rate me five stars on iTunes and roast me in the comments, I will read it on the pod. So it's uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I recorded, since a lot of them were previously recorded. So we've got a big backlog. We won't get through all of them, though. We'll save some. Um this is from uh, someone named Nova Scotty, and the review is titled, I Love John Gemberling. There's something really gross about this podcast. I feel like I'm sharing a toilet seat with him. <laughs> Thank you, Nova Scotty. Uh, 
a big recurring thing is confusing me with John Gamberling. I think sure. I think sure. people find that to be very funny. And I bet uh, both you and him love that. Yeah, we love that, yeah. especially if uh, since we have the exact same reps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's always a good time. When I go, did you go out for this donation? He's like, yeah. I'm like, did you get it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I didn't. <laughs> yeah, did you get roasted by my fans on Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, this is from Sunaki36. Title of it is Five Star Fatso. And the review is, the roast is, fat, 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 love the show, listen every week, heart emoji. I mean, that's barely a roast. That's barely a roast. That is just using an apt descriptive word a number of times. It is like the vocabulary of a Donald Trump, though, where it's like, I learned I'm happy. This person clearly needed to wanted to give me five stars wanted to re- respond to what i begged the audience to do right but didn't have it in them to come up with a um tsunaki 36 didn't have it in them to come up with too mean of a roast and it ends in in genuine niceties <laughs> yeah uh, that's another thing a lot a lot of them end with some well here's one from ms rambo marie from arizona this show is great except for the action boys they have no idea what they're talking about Okay. <laughs> so that's just that's just a criticism. That's just a criticism. Yeah, that's yeah. not necessarily a roast, and it's definitely not of me, since the Action Boys are Ben Rogers and Ryan Stanger, yeah. uh, recurring guests on the podcast. That feels weird. Yeah, I would say that's not a roast. No, that's not a roast. Um, but it was five stars, which is weird. And it's odd that Ms. R- her name is Ms. Rambo, and the part she doesn't like is the Action Boys. Very interesting. Yeah, because most people say stop doing other episodes of this podcast and just do action movies, but I think that's because vocal uh, podcast listeners are white men. <laughs> sure. Yes, I think that is uh, a, a fair uh, stereotyping. But I also think I mean, if you try to think about it from Miss Rambo's perspective, it's like here you guys are celebrating every time her husband goes out. <laughs> Right. For months. But for her, it's a difficult process. Right. She's yeah. home alone, empty bed, you know? Well, that's why I think she went with the Miz instead of Mrs. Because she wanted to be like, I'm looking. Yeah. Yes. If John is going to be out in, I think, Thailand in the most recent yes. one. <laughs> yes. What, by the way, great movie, the most recent Rambo. The one John. that's just called Rambo? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I, I it's gotta... so stupidly violent. It's insane. I, I, I feel like this might be, uh, these might be fighting words to say to you. I have a a problem. It's like a block I can't get over with uh, any Stallone movie where he takes his shirt off past like 2005, I want to say. Completely reasonable. Right? (laughs) Completely reasonable. He looks... I mean, he still looks good if good... If you're saying just having muscles is good. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Because he does objectively have muscles, but his body is quasi-terrifying. yeah. Well, there's like a bit of a thing my, my friend and I always talk about with Tom Cruise where it's like he's crammed a few too many muscles in for how short he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I say this as someone of Tom Cruise height, which is why I have no muscle definition. I've learned my lesson from seeing Tom shirtless. But it's like it's the same thing with Stallone where it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And Stallone is like more bulky than Cruise ever could be. Too. Yeah. And it makes Stallone look like he's so big. It's like yes. unjustified. Like Cruise is like. Looks muscular, takes his shirt off, looks absolutely shredded. Right. Stallone looks puffy and then puts his shirt on <laughs> yes. and looks puffy. <laughs> yeah, right. And Stallone, you, it's it's sinewy, too. Yeah. It's like he's got he's the got veins. Visible, he's vascular. Yeah. He's very will. vascular. He's very vascular. Yeah. Uh, Creed I love, though. 
Creed is great. He's wearing long sleeves the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Dress him up. He's got it's cancer. Great. Put him in a room. Yeah, yeah. Put him in a dark room. Let him puke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is weird that he, like, and it's like, Rambo doesn't have to take his shirt off. No, he I doesn't. I guess that, that is like a thing. It became a thing. In Rambo 2, which is uh, the one we talked about on this podcast yeah. previously, and it's more fun than First Blood because it right. is... And it's a Chuck Norris. It's like an action movie. Sure. Whereas First Blood is like an interesting uh, treatise on PTSD <laughs> right. or something like right. that. But in Rambo 2, it's like he's in a tank top in minute zero, like <laughs> yes. completely oiled up. And right. it's like for the rest of the movie, it's like, you know, he's not putting another layer on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a matter of time. So he has to use the tank top as a tourniquet or yeah, cover yeah, up bullet yeah, yeah. right. So he has an excuse. Hey, he wishes he could keep it on, but he's got to take <laughs> Look, it off. Trust me. I only brought one tank top. I yes. wish I had doubles. Why couldn't I go shirt over shirt? <laughs> All right. Last, um, here's a review from cheese party. It's called Mel Brooks approved. Most kids try and act like the heroes they see on screen. But while most kids his age grow out of their childhood dream of being a Ghostbuster or a Transformer, it seems that John Gabris has never stopped trying to emulate his idol, Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. <laughs> I'd say he's been pretty successful so far. Love the show. Wow, okay. Deep ref works on me. And said you're successful. Yes, and yes. I, I succeeded yeah. in doing what I wanted to do, which is eventually die by eating myself. <laughs> <laughs> I do need like an effeminate Android bot to be by me to keep an eye on me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I'm looking for sidekicks. Hey, any, anytime, <laughs> always open. Human C3PO at your service. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, enough reviews, guys. Listen, rate me five stars, roast me in the comments, and I will read them on the air. Now, let's get down to the brass tacks. Let's talk the Fast and the Furious A very franchise. particular action franchise. A very particular action yeah. franchise that's been through... A numerous cast changes, premise changes. Yes. But one thing's always stayed strong, and that's cars and family. And family. Those are the two <laughs> cornerstones. But uh, Cars and family. We're talking Fast and the Furious, people. If you've fast-forwarded through the beginning to try to find <laughs> to try to get when to the, the fucking the meat. The, the Squarespace ads are over. <laughs> so you said you wanted to mostly talk about it from five on. Yeah, well, because I think they're two different sets of movies. I kind of agree. And the analogy I used was it's like... Uh, uh, it, it's like the ingredients that make a cake versus the cake. Yes. And what which would you say the cakes are? The original, the early ones? No, I'd say the cake, like from five on, we're getting cakes. Yeah. And like one is like eggs and two is like sugar and right. three is like flour, <laughs> you know? And then like a Marvel movie is the icing. Right, right. <laughs> and they add that in for five. Right, right. But it is like you need all those ingredients. Like part of the power of five. There are tons of people I know who I've converted to the franchise who got on with five. Yes. And didn't need the context and it worked for them. But I do think there is this particular thing with this franchise where, like, from five on, they are super highly functional, just action popcorn movies. Yeah, they're just huge, big budget, uh, over the top, for shoehorning cars into yes. amazing stunt ideas. Right. And then they're also like telenovelas. Like, they're these big, dramatic, like, operatic character moves, you know? Like, we're talking amnesia. Yeah. We're and it fake looks like deaths. in the trailer for the... Yeah, fake deaths. It looks yeah. like in the trailer for the new one, complete, like, a heel turn. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, look, on the record now, right? Uh, we're recording this, like, two months before the new movie comes out. Yes. I, I'm starting to think it's maybe an evil twin. I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility for this franchise. I think... 
because in my mind, Vin Diesel's like, I'm not play, I'm not doing something evil <laughs> yeah. on screen. Like he right. refuses to be bad. Right. Dominic Toretto can never go bad, but like Dominic Toretto could go bad. <laughs> See, I wonder. I want. Oh man, or is it like a fucking? I hope it's not just a Mission Impossible face, like a high end mask. D- that would that would piss me off. That would because that's uh, that's like my least favorite move because it's it, it's like time traveling comic books. It like undoes any like strong choices. Yes. Okay. Now it's this, like yes. reset to Earth Prime, and <laughs> right. it's like everything we just went over is just moot now well this is like i'm a huge superhero fan comic fan but i like for a long time just stopped reading superhero comics for like i started again maybe the last year or two but for about eight years i was just done because it was like once a year they'd go like this is the event that will change everything yeah and then it's like they undo it all because nine months later a new writer comes on they go my entire life all i want to do is write spider-man and now spider-man is dead because captain america was a sniper right and aunt may is (laughs) spider-man but in dr octopus's body (laughs) you know and Dr. Octopus is a dog. Right. And then and it's like, like, all right, hit the reset button. Right. So I feel like the uh, the Mission Impossible face thing, like they like Mission Impossible 2 did it like a thousand. The John yes. Woo one did it like a thousand times. Yes. And then the most recent ones are like super high. T- I'm like, come on. Like, yeah. this is so, this is hacky movie make. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, that's a big uh, cornerstone of the Fast and Furious movies for me and why I think they work so well. And the weird way they've constructed their mythology is like, uh, we're we're living in a franchise culture, right? Yeah. Everything's like franchisey and bigger, you know, story building over like multiple multiple movies. And Fast and Furious is a franchise that like became that by accident, right? Because you know? they just started making sequel and even like lost Vin Diesel, who was right. the main dude for whatever, for a period of time. The first four are kind of independent movies. Yes, they are not. They're not that far along, right? It's like you have the first movie, then like a sidequel, then a full on spin off. Right, th- that's Tokyo Drift. We're right, which to. is also kind of a reboot, and then the fourth one is like a direct sequel to the first one that kind of ignores two and three. That kind of resets continuity in right. a weird way. And, and then five, they came in and they were like, "Wait, hold on! If you give me one minute, I can untangle all of these wires." Like you said, I got a lot of people into the franchise on five because I saw five one. in the yeah. theater and I was like, I was not. I remember seeing like, is four. Is not too fast, too furious, or four is ampersand. Oh right, <laughs> four is ampersand. I four love is. <laughs> Can I go through my history of them really quickly? Yeah, just let's b- do it. B- the ones leading up to five, because we're mostly going to talk from five on. Right, yeah. the first movie I remember, my brother and I were going off to sleepaway camp the next day. My parents were like, "You and James, you can go see a movie. We'll drop you off at the theater." And I want to see Doctor Doolittle too so badly. <laughs> I was standing hard for Dr. Doolittle, On too. game. Right? Very on game. Uh, and my brother wants to see Fast and Furious, which was very on game for him. And I was like, I don't want to do this. And somehow he won the argument. And I was sitting there with my arms crossed. And I remember by the end of it, I was like, that was, that was surprisingly good. Like, that was better than it had any right to be. In high school, I think I'm a little older than you, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. I, in high school, all we would say is, you had me. You never had me. Yeah. You never even had your car. Yeah. That was like a, something that we were obsessed with. Like from the trailer, he's like standing like With full double bicep. Right yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that was the other thing I just remember saying to my dad was like, this Vin Diesel guy, there's definitely a thing there. Right. And like, he's like so magnet. Like we yeah. can get into the power of Vin Diesel. We're going to have we to talk here. about that a lot. Yeah. But like that was the one clear takeaway for me is like, this guy is is the most unique movie star I've ever seen, but there's something really fucking effective here, right? Okay, two, I skip when it comes out. Right. Like I didn't like one enough that I felt like I had to see two, and Vin being gone, I was like, that was the element I liked. Right. I didn't really see the selling points, right? 
Then Tokyo Drift, I saw in theaters with a friend where you're like, I don't know, let's go see something. Right, and I think Tokyo Drift was just like, that became like a, a meme of saying yes. Tokyo Drift. Cause right, because like... the title was so weird and it was like, <laughs> wait, this franchise has degraded so quickly that it's like they lost Vin and then they lost Paul Walker. Right, They so they have no one. They reset it with the fucking... The kid from Sling Blade and yeah. Lil Bow Wow. <laughs> And Tokyo Drift, you're like, what the fuck is that? That's not a real thing. Now, you is know? Han in Tokyo Drift? Yes. So Han is in is back. Right. So that's the thing. Han comes in. I mean, that, I remember seeing that with my friend and being like, that was surprisingly solid. Like, kind right. of the same way I felt about the first one, where it's like, that's a really simple, straightforward, down the middle. Tokyo like, Drift, effective. he races someone in the beginning of the movie, and it's the oldest brother from Home Improvement, right? Yes, correct. <laughs> Zachary Ty Bryant. Yes. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Correct. But it's like, it's sort of a like Karate Kid story. Yeah. And it's it's a fish out of water story. And then it becomes him avenging the death of, of Han. Right. Who dies in the movie, which is, this is like the biggest thing. Um, which but, you- <laughs> Right. But it but it's like this masterstroke of like, what if we did Karate Kid, but like the Mr. Miyagi character was cool and young. Right. right? And this yeah. Han guy comes on screen and this dude is like, you know, it's the same thing as Vin Diesel, except you remove any qualifications. Like, you don't have to go, like, this guy's weirdly charismatic. You go, like, this dude just pops. Yeah, he's, un- he's this like, guy's un- Kang objectively. Is just like, yeah. Right, you're like, this is just a really handsome, cool fucking guy <laughs> yeah. driving great cars. <laughs> right. Like, I'd watch this guy in anything, and then he dies, and it actually works, and you're, like, invested by the end. Yeah. And at the end, they have this cameo where Vin comes back in as Han's old friend here to avenge the death. Yeah. And I remember being like, Wow, that hit a nostalgia button I didn't think I had. Right. It was like talking about everything now with like Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Right. They're all stealing from the Fast and the Furious. 100%. <laughs> because then they do this masterstroke, right? So they said they wanted, after doing this hard reboot, right? They wanted Vin to be in it to tie it together in some way and to leave the door open to him coming back. Because that was still his biggest part. He left Fast and Furious to do Triple X. And that was like ended up being sort of like a lateral adjacent move. Right. There. But then they wanted to do a sequel to Triple X and he left that too to do Riddick. <laughs> Which and is then, the only franchise he hasn't left yet. Right. And then Riddick <laughs> bombed, right? <laughs> and Riddick was like his passion. That's like his pet project. Right. He, so he is uh Arthur is currently on uh, my lap. It's full blown moved on to Griffin's lap. <laughs> like a trophy. <laughs> yeah. Heroically standing with his head tilted he, up towards he needs, the sky. He needs some attention. Artie, um, do you want to get down, bud? Or no? You're good for now. Okay, All right, Griffin will just deal. <laughs> I'll deal. I can deal. Um, so yeah, the, the, he jumps ship for Riddick, and Riddick bombs, and his career's kind of over. Right. Like, he does the pacifier, and that does well, but it's a joke, and it's like, oh, he's already gone into self-parody. Right, he's already at late-stage Hogan at this right. point. He's already doing, I mean, he's doing Suburban Command. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then I remember the AV Club did a review for that movie, uh, Babylon A.D., Oh, yeah. That was I... like a last week of August dump that made like nothing. And it was like his like children or men where it's like him protecting a girl in like post-apocalyptic <laughs> trying to get her to the safe haven or whatever. Vin Diesel's career seems so much like he sees a good movie and is yeah. like, I could do something. And he just <laughs> I like, will, I want to make that. I want to make that yeah. exact same movie. And it's like, oh, w- there's something missing from your <laughs> right. version. <laughs> right. But uh, Babylon AD, which I think was 2007 or 2008. Uh, that comes out in the AV Club review has this line that I thought was one of the most like succinct, withering put-downs I've ever read in a review <laughs> where they said, you know, uh, uh, they were describing the plot of the film and they went, you know, uh, uh, a loner named blank and then parentheses played by Vin Diesel for who our younger readers 
was briefly a movie star in the early 2000s. <laughs> oh, wow. And they were just like book closed. <laughs> oh, like wow. they were confident enough to just be like, he's done. That's... You won't even have a context for who he is today. For Who for our younger readers was briefly a movie star in the early 2000s. Yeah, five years ago. <laughs> right. So everyone went like done, done, done. And Paul Walker had done his like, you know, side projects. Right. Didn't work, didn't work. And then they like came up with this Hail Mary pass where it's like, okay, director of Tokyo Drift is going to do a movie with the four original cast members. Right, because Tokyo Drift was good without any of the cast members. Right. People really liked the cast members. Let's combine the but two. But people got excited when Vin showed up on screen. Like that right. was this big thing. They were like, oh, maybe there's something here. They had been thinking going direct to video. Like there were all these like questions about what to do with it. And they were like, let's try to do this like, you know, the four originals together. And Vin's deal for Tokyo Drift was they said like, you know, we'll pay you like, you know, $60,000 to do one day of filming or something. <laughs> and he said, I don't want money. I want the rights to Riddick. His payment for Tokyo Drift was Universal owned the rights to Riddick and no intention of making a Riddick movie. And he was like, I want to retain ownership of Riddick. And they were like, yeah, fine. Take Riddick. That's a tax write-off. That's like a charitable expense. Take Riddick by all means. They would eventually make three Riddicks, right? Pitch Black being sort of the yes. origins. Right. And so here's the, just going back to Vin Diesel's yeah. career choices for a second. Yeah. He sees, he does Pitch Black, which is a very cool sort of like low budge sci-fi right. And it's kind of Event Horizon-esque, and it's not about Riddick, necessarily. He's a major factor of it, but he's it's... He's the cool character, but he's not the hero of the movie. Exactly. And, and he's almost kind of cool because they don't overload him. Like, they right. know that you gotta keep him in the background, keep right, him because he's like a weird fucking alien. Dude, right. Whatever. Yeah. And then in the next movie, they're like, he's literally like, oh, I like playing that character. Let's extrapolate this out yes. to the Chronicles. Right. <laughs> the Chronicles. And it was like, that was like a very focused movie that's like, you know, here's a skeleton crew. It's a Survive the Night movie. Right. It's an alien exactly. Movie. It felt like a, like a 70s sci-fi horror flick. Right. Yeah. And then so, <laughs> the right. next so, one is... <laughs> that's the movie that like got him Fast and Furious was, yeah. was Pitch Black. And then he uses that cachet after Fast and Furious Triple X to do Chronicles of Riddick and get this $150 million Riddick spinoff. Dame Judi Dench. Right, right, right. <laughs> Tandy Newton. You know, like this weird fucking cast. And he said that he was like, Pitch Black was the Hobbit. This is my Lord of the Rings. Like he was like, you don't even know what we're getting into with Riddick. And the legend is, I go deep on Vin, right? The legend is that he walked into Universal and he had three big leather-bound books with locks on them. And he said, these are the scripts for the three Riddick movies. Here's the Riddick trilogy. What? But you have to greenlight it to get to read the script. You're not going to get to read it until you greenlight it. So they like greenlit the Chronicles of Riddick. And he had the two. And he was like, you don't get to read them until you tell me I got the green light. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like crazy power moves, right? So first Chronicles of Riddick comes out, <laughs> flop. <laughs> And he's like, done, right? He goes into Pacifier. He's Babylon AD. He's like wiping out hard. Uh, does the cameo, fights for the Riddick rights, but then they see that excitement. And he comes back and starts like exerting a little more control on the franchise. Saying like, let's get back to basics. Let's make a direct sequel to the other one. Let's bring it back to the relationship between Let's add me, me as a producer. Right, right. <laughs> Which exactly. would be the smartest move he makes out of yes. the whole thing. <laughs> 100%, right? Um, and I remember being in the theater... Uh, seeing the trailer for that movie. And it was like, okay, I liked the first Fast and Furious more than I thought I would. I liked the third more than I thought I would. I hadn't even seen the second one at this point. The trailer comes up, and the trailer, they it was sort of a fake-out trailer where it's it's the the tanker, uh, the sort of heist they do at the beginning of the movie yeah, where yeah. they're all wearing ski masks. So you don't know who it is, and it's just cars flipping over and this and that. 
and then the ski mask comes off and it's Vin Diesel and then you see Michelle Williams or Michelle Rodriguez rather. Yeah. How great would it be if Michelle, Michelle Williams, Williams was, was doing like a subdued small yeah. like my blue Valentine yeah. roll yeah. in the background. Yeah. Never let him get into the backseat of cars. Um, <laughs> but uh, they take off the mask and I felt this adrenaline rush again and I was like once again I don't think I have nostalgia for this franchise and then the tagline comes up and it's uh, new model original parts. And I was like a hundred percent sold. Oh, it's so it's so smart, and it, it it's true because I felt the same. I've seen I saw all the movies. Maybe yeah. Fast Two I saw way later. Like on, I saw that after four. Yeah. yeah, and in Fast Five, when you're watching the movie as everyone's being revealed, you're like, yeah, and you're like, these weren't even well thought out characters in any of the it movies. It feels like the Avengers assembly. Right, it's insane. Right. But that's yeah. I mean, so just quick sidebar. Just because it needs some attention. Title structure at this point is The Fast and The Furious all written out. Yes. Then Too Fast, Too Furious with numeral twos, right? Then Fast and Furious. Colon, Tokyo Drift. (laughs) And then the fourth one is called Fast Ampersand Furious, (laughs) which is insane. (laughs) They essentially just used the same title as the first one, but took out the definite articles. (laughs) That's all they did. Right? So then they come out to Fast Five, which is like, Fast Five, you're making it sound like this is the fifth Fast movie. Every movie has had a different title structure. Right, and and Fast Five is arguably the first movie of a different trilogy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's when they were like, here's here's how you make a cake. We've had all these things on the table, and here's how you make a cake. Yeah, it's like, all right, look, we know, we know what worked in four. We got right. the cast from one. And here's the thing. Big budget action movies are doing well. What if we have insane set pieces? It's like, cool. It's like, well, and then this is what I like about the Fast and Furious. They always just like look around Hollywood and go, who's the biggest celebrity right now? Yeah. Hey, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Right, right. You want 40 million, you know, however yeah. much money to come right. shoot machine guns and be a yeah. badass? Be the most badass person in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Underneath Dominic Toretto, because right. no one can be more badass than Vin Diesel for some reason. There's there's a thing in his contract I heard that he cannot lose a fight in the movie. I believe that. That's like some Seagal shit. Right. Vin Diesel cannot lose a fight. It can only be a draw or he wins. Right. So there's a lot of that where like he starts fighting someone and then like something separates the two of them. And like, it's like him, we'll and, the, finish this him and Hobbs get broken up in right. five is the right. big one. Right. They're... And that happens with Statham and Seven too. Yeah. Where they like almost start fighting and it's like wait an hour and a half and yeah. then we'll fight. We'll fight at the end. <laughs> yeah, and right. I'll have two wrenches. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, Yo, I'll have, uh, I pack two wrenches. I can yeah. make any weapon I want. These could be swords. Right. I choose wrenches because I worked on cars 40 mi- f- 40 years ago right. or something like that. But but the family thing which you talked about is one of the other key tenets, right? Cuz the first movie is straight up street racing drama. Right. It's point break, it's undercover cop trying to bust up street racing gangs. But there's nothing bigger really going on. No. Yeah, and Vin Diesel's the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Right, but it's like they're not superheroes. They're not government agents. There's None like, of them know how to use guns, which later right. on we reveal every one of them as SEAL Team 6 training. Right. They're like running stolen DVD players, but it's like very low stakes, right? <laughs> Two is he's now the FBI agent who left it all behind because he got too deep yeah. in with the drag racing, right? The street racing, doesn't want it anymore. They, they pull him out for one last mission. He teams up with his childhood best friend. So that's like, okay, that's that movie is it's the most homoerotic of the seven, no question. <laughs> the the Tyrese So far. <laughs> Paul, yes. Paul Walker relationship in two is very homoerotic. And the first one, the family thing is that it's like this Paul Walker falls in love with Vin Diesel's sister, 
and there's that sort of sense of family. But other than that, it's like family in like a, a gang kind of way. Yeah. Like it's like a territorial, like don't mess with mine rather than a sense of like real affection. Yeah. Although there's this thing where they, the two of them weirdly kind of respect each other, right? Then three, the family is just that like, well, Han's kind of a father figure to him. But like the family stuff is kind of tenuous at this point. Four does this thing where it's like, okay, Diesel and Walker meet again. Diesel is never going to trust him ever again. Not only did it turn out that he was a fucking narc, but it also <laughs> turned out that he was boning his sister and then he left her high and dry, right? So it's like, no more of this, no more of this. And Paul Walker throws out the deal where it's like, if you help me take down the big guy. Who's the bad guy in four? John Ortiz. Oh, right. Famed New York character actor, John Ortiz. <laughs> Founding member of the Labyrinth Theater Company, John Ortiz, right? And now it's like they're getting into somewhat high-stake drug running stuff. And for whatever right. reason, the drug running has to happen in muscle cars. <laughs> that's that, that's the only feat of writing I think this show, that move, that franchise pulls off, is like, how do we keep cars relevant? It's, in, it's <laughs> insane. It's incredible. Vehicles in general. Yeah. Like, in the trailer for... Uh, the most recent one, the the Furious. Wait, what do they the call the Fate of the, the Furious? The Fate of the Furious. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which makes no sense. No. So, uh, Fast and the Furious wasn't delineating between two sets of the people. There, it wasn't like no. <laughs> like Paul Walker's fast, Vin Diesel's furious. These people are fast and furious. <laughs> yeah. Now we're finding the fate of the Furious. Yeah. What happens to the fast? I don't know. <laughs> The fate of the fast is beyond us. I hope this is going to be like uh, like the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Remember that movie where they did the breakup from the two perspectives? And they're like, surprise, we also have the fate of the fast. It's the same plot from different character vantage points. Uh, that's my hope for what they're like going to spring on us. In this one, we see that they finally get to, someone drives a submarine, which right. is the first, right. the only vehicle they haven't been in yet in any of the movies. I well, and they haven't gone to space. That's yeah. the ultimate height. Right, and I, they're going to go to space. They have to. There are arguably two moves left, I think. They have to go to space, and they have to do a musical. <laughs> because these movies are pretty much Bollywood films. They're, they are Marvel movies. They're yeah. like huge spectacles with insane... I think Fast 10 should just be the plot of Armageddon, but would they have to justify... Yes. Like, it's, yeah. uh, replace oil drilling with drag racing. Yeah, it's like, 100%. All right, guys, here's we're going to be driving around the surface of this asteroid. You drive the car into the center of the asteroid. <laughs> no, but there's this thing. Like, my, my old roommate was really into Bollywood films for a while, so I was, like, watching a lot of them with her, hearing her talk about them. And, uh, you know, there's this whole philosophy there that's like, why not make a movie with everything in it? Right. Like, why not limit yourself to one genre when you can do all of them at the same time? We could have a fighting scene, a love scene. They're all three hours dance. long, yeah. and they're, like, comedies, and they're action movies, and they're romance films, and they're musicals. <laughs> and, like, Fast and Furious is essentially doing that, where it's, like, high-stakes character drama, like, really dense mythology, crazy action sequences. Uh, weird, yeah. bizarre friend turns. Like... Right, right. People coming in and out, deaths of main characters. Yeah. But that's this turnkey for me, it's the end of four is where they set the stage for the franchise to turn into something extraordinary, right? And this whole setup of like Paul Walker going, if you help me with this, I get you total immunity. Because he has had to live on the run, right? Right. At the beginning of the movie, you see him pulling off the heist with Han and with uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character, Letty. And uh, he goes, Yo, Han, what are you going to do with your money? Because you're like, oh, how's Han still alive? That's like a shock. Han died in three. And he goes, I hear there's some crazy shit going on in Tokyo. And you go, okay, so this is now a prequel to three. 
because they wanted to bring Han back because he's the fan favorite, right? Right, right. But now Han's gone. Now for real, Han is gone. He's really going to die now. But five also takes place before Tokyo Drift. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. But at the moment, you're like, okay, now the loop is closed. Han dies. We get it, right? Yeah. And then Letty dies, and you're like, okay, Letty dies. That's motivation for him you know, to seek revenge. <laughs> She's dead. Book closed. I'll never see these two characters again. <laughs> right? I understand death as a concept. It is final. I understand this. But he offers this deal with immunity with this man who no longer wants to run. He re-romances the sister, Mia, and gets back in the fold. And there's this thing where they pull it off. They stop John Ortiz. And then the feds come in and handcuff Vin Diesel. And he goes, what? You lied to me. You lied to me. And he goes, I promise you I'm getting you out of this. I'm getting you out of this. And the movie cuts to the courtroom. And he's sitting in court with Mia. And you're like, this is a turn I didn't think this movie would take. I thought it'd just be triumphant victory lap ending, right? <laughs> They're in the courtroom and the judge goes like, although we recognize the efforts of Dominic Toretto to help take down Labyrinth Theater Company co-founder <laughs> John Ortiz due to his outstanding criminal record and then Paul Walker stands up and goes, what? Like starts yelling in the courtroom and he goes, we unfortunately have decided to sentence him to life in prison. And Paul Walker's like screaming and Vin Diesel glares at him and he goes, promise me, you promise me. And they're both like yelling in this courtroom and Jordana Brewster's trying to keep him calm. And then it cuts to Vin Diesel in orange, shackled, getting onto the bus, right? The transport bus to bring him to federal prison. And he's sitting in the bus and he's glaring out the window. And then you hear... You hear nitrous. Right. <laughs> and everyone else in the bus looks in the other direction. Because like, oh my God, oh my God. Vin's the only guy who doesn't turn around. And someone hits him and they go like, look over there. And he looks over to the side and who's there? Paul Walker in a fucking muscle car. And then you hear, <laughs> and who's on the other side? It's his sister. <laughs> yeah. And they're fucking ready to take down this bus. Vin Diesel looks straight into the barrel of the camera blackout that's the end of four right at the time they thought maybe that's the end of the franchise right it's badass ending i like that kind of the ending ending is like paul walker finally proved himself right the bonds are stronger than the law he's gone and and yeah and he's he's gone he's above the he's going outside the law but this is where the family thing really coalesces right because it's like his sister's behind the wheel of a car his literal family is there right his brother-in-law are soon to be right right exactly it's all coming together and it's like this is the most important thing is the promises you make to the people in your life (laughs) that's more important than law than blood (laughs) than bullets maybe even than tires you know more important than cars right guys right so then five four Huge success. Like, out of nowhere, is like, humongous. And everyone's like, I guess I guess this is now the most viable franchise in Hollywood. <laughs> so five, they come up with this Avengers approach, and they were like, we're going to tie everything back in. Everyone's coming back. And uh, the only person who's not back is Letty, who is still yep. dead in five. Right, right. <laughs> Notice I said still dead. Still dead. <laughs> but Han is still alive. Right. So at this point, the chronology of the films is... One, two, four, five, three. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the the Han justification just happens at the end of this. It's like, 
where are we going to go? Tokyo? And he's like, not yet. He's, he's like, says, all right, one more movie. He says, we'll get there eventually. Right, right. We'll get there eventually. Which feels like your dad yelling at you from like the driver's seat. Like, calm down. Just stay quiet. Stay quiet. Yeah. We'll, we'll go. Like, we'll please don't point out inaccuracies yeah. in this film. We, yeah. We'll get there eventually. Eventually. It's such a like, don't fucking rake us over the coals. We're going to get there eventually. Just don't shut the Don't you worry. I'm going to die. I have to. I have to die. I have to die. It's already <laughs> happened on camera. You know I'm dead. Right. Of course, we'll retrofit that death when, right. when needed. Well, because what they do with Letty's death is in, I think it's in five, right? Or it's the in end four. Of five. It's the post credit well, Right, that's when they reveal yeah, it. But yeah. in four, when she dies, uh, she dies when he runs away after the heist and they tell him that he she died. Yeah. And he goes back to the scene of the crime uh, and he touches the skid marks on the ground where she crashed. Like he sees like the, the rubber burns on the road. And he like like I I don't know the ghost whisperer is able to sense how she died right and oh, he right. says he to them it. he's like she skidded here <laughs> her brakes were cut so you never see the death he just explains it because he's able to infer it from the skid marks uh, <laughs> and then for all of five she's dead right right and yeah. then, so five is where it's kicked the my memory for five is uh, outlook of the poet uh, my improv team with Ben yeah. and Gavin was in. Uh, cage match and it was thursday nights at 11 and we had time to kill so we would go see a movie on th- and so the first week we're like uh we're about we're going to uh, start cage match it's like let's go see this let's go see fast five it looks pretty crazy yeah we saw fast five in the theater before uh an improv show and i was so for lack of a better term turned i yes. was like yes. yes through the fucking roof yeah. we showed up and we had like a show of our lifetime we were so inspired by that movie it was yeah. so intense and so all over the place and we were like holy shit and then we we're like we got to go see movies every week and then movies don't work that way yeah, that there's right. something good to see every week we saw channing tatum in the eagle later yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i remember walking out of five and feeling like i was walking on air like it was like a transcendent feeling i mean non-hyperbolically it's maybe one of the 10 times in my adult life that I felt completely level. Wow. You know where I just was like, everything feels good to me right now in this moment. Yeah, Fast and the Furious is what I wanted Expendables to be. What yes. I, Fast Five is what I wanted Expendables right. to be. What I want any new Van Damme and Sagat like, yeah. they're... And I don't know what they have that other movies. Do. Well, Justin Lin is obviously very really good. T- he's really yeah. good. Yeah. But I also think there is this thing where it's like, even if you didn't care about these characters that much, at that point, the franchise has existed for like 10 years. There is just a sort of sense of like history and weight. Right. That is equivalent to seeing like a Marvel character on screen for the first time who's existed in the books for 40 years. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. There's, there's a thing, cause like the first 30 or 40 minutes of Fast Five are kind of like a standalone section where they're like on the run. Right. The, the, through the favelas, right? Right. Yeah. And then there's this thing where like, uh, it, you know, Mia reveals that she's pregnant. Dom has this emotional speech to Paul Walker where he's like, our father left us. You know, I don't want that to happen with you. You need to be there for for this kid. He's like, what do you suggest we do? And it's like, one final job. And it's like, they were never doing one final job. <laughs> yeah, they, first of all, Vin Diesel, we broke you out of jail <laughs> right. like at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Technic- right, because five, we should opens say, five, with five opens them with them flipping <laughs> the van over. <laughs> the harpoon gun through the back yes. door of the bus. Is Correct. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, correct. So much of Fast and the Furious uh, logic is that a car can 
turn around in reverse, and if it's got a strong enough engine, it could do almost anything. It could do anything. <laughs> and five is when they really start playing with the physics of what a car can do. <laughs> yeah. But they, yeah. Five is where we see, no, six is parachute cars. No, five is parachute. Seven's parachute cars. Seven? See, now here's the, the, the issue is a lot of them blend together. Sure. Five, six, and seven start to feel like one nine-hour amazing movie. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> Five's big move is the dragging the uh, Oh, the, the safe. Bank the yes, safe. Yes, yes. They okay. pull a safe out of a bank. B- with two muscle cars. Right, and, and they're just, dragging it down the streets of Rio de Janeiro. And just whipping it around. <laughs> it. Yeah. And it's like jumping like... from side to side. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great. Uh, oh. But they do this thing. So I, I remember seeing it. I saw it uh, with my friends who I'd seen four with. And we all were like, that was fun. We should see these when they come out. Yeah. But we were ready for it to just be like that. We were all jazzed by the ending. But we were like, okay, they're just like kind of fun, goofy movies. And then we saw five opening day in Times Square. And uh, when they did, there's the scene where they go like, you know, one last job. And it's like, what are you thinking? It's like, we have to put together a team. Yeah. And they start running through what they need. And they go like, we're going to need an inside man, a smooth talker, a manipulator. And then, <laughs> right, and then the camera pans up from feet up to the head of Tyrese, who's been missing for three movies now. And the audience cheers, goes ballistic, right? Like it's the Beatles playing Shea Ty- Stadium. Tyrese is objectively maybe the worst part of these movies now. I, he... He I, starts to pop for me later on in the franchise. Oh, see, I think that's when he start. We start to lose him. When I think it's the tone they lose the idea of what comic relief is. I think seven they maybe go a little too far. Five, I think he's really on point. Five, he's good. Five, because I, good, I really like when he's point. scared. It's like a yes, funny thing. Right, to that's be like that's a, his bit. Yeah. yeah, he's the Charles Grodin of the group. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but they redefine the character, and my friend said like what's this Roman Pierce shit? Like, that's not who Roman Pierce was in Too Fast, Too Furious. No, he was what his happened? high school buddy, right? Right. What? And he was like a hard as, like, nails, like, criminal. Yeah. You know? He was like this real, like, tough fucking bruiser guy. Uh, and he said, what happened in between two and five? And my friend went, he grew up. <laughs> he grew up. But they, like, retcon these characters and make them specialists in things they were never specialists yeah, in. Yeah, like, Ludacris is like, we need a hacker. It's like, wasn't he the car stereo guy? Yeah, like one of yeah. Those he was just doing, like, very basic car mods, and he was the guy dropping the flag for the street races. <laughs> yeah. And now he's their cue, you know? <laughs> now he's like, oh, guys, I got you exactly what you needed. Right. <laughs> right. They got Gal Gadot, who was the like uh the gangster's mall to John Ortiz in four. Right. Who flirted with Vin Diesel and he turned her down because he was still grieving over Michelle Rodriguez. They weren't even friends. And he's like, I know just the person for the <laughs> right. guy. Yeah. And she'll do it. Right. She'll do it. Right. <laughs> and then you get the Brazilian brothers. Oh. Love that they included these guys into one more movie than yes. they needed to be in. <laughs> yes. Barely speak English, just fight all the time. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Now, what movie were they in? They're in four. They're in the opening heist in four, but like barely. Right. And then they become like huge characters in five for some reason. Right. But they're also, they're kind of like like the pill bugs from A Bug's Life. Like they're just this like. Yeah. They're like the uh, the claw from Toy right, Story. Right. They're right. They're just this weird like, well, they don't have individual identities. <laughs> right. They just fight in gibberish. Yeah. They're the minions. Yeah. They're the minions. <laughs> right. Um, um, and. Is that everyone from the crew? I think it's everyone. And then the final piece is put on the board, which is we cut to like hangar, like big military plane drops and who steps off of it, but Dwayne the fucking Rock Johnson. With and the- that run of the intro of Dwayne Johnson in that sequence yes. where he's just shouting information yeah. at people. Give me the veggies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's like, read your file. You speak Spanish. She's with me. Yeah. You know, just like for designing the movie on his walk right, from right, 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 right. He's essentially playing the role of the screenwriter pitching the movie to Universal. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll need you. You've got nothing to lose. Get yeah. in the car. I'm going right. to stop these guys. Let's go. Here we go. We're in the car. It's and like- he's got he's got like a near Scott Ian length goatee. <laughs> It's the shiniest performance in the history of American cinema, right? I love... He's so diesel yeah. that in six, they have to have a sequence where he's like just finishing a workout drinking protein shake because it makes no sense why he's that big. And in seven, there's a joke where they're all meeting... Or it's in six. It's in six. There's a joke where they're all meeting and Tyrese goes, why does it smell like baby oil in here? And then The Rock enters. <laughs> I forgot about that. Joke. And I have a friend who was a PA on the the rock movie uh, Snitch, who confirmed that he gets baby oiled before every take. I'm sure he's a he's yeah. a, a wrestler. That's like, yeah. That's where it all comes. That's from. what he does. But there's the line he has where the franchise immediately becomes transcendent, right? Where they just hit cruising altitude and they know exactly what they are. Which is, and this is like almost 45 minutes, an hour into the movie at this point, right? They introduce him fairly late, and that movie's over two hours long. <laughs> This is also when they start to get like epic length. Right? right. This is where this is Fast Five is the first one to break two hours, yes. and it's like it's only going longer. Yeah, and it's like two fifteen. It's like eleven set pieces, which oh, is right. great. <laughs> Apparently, the new one is two hours and fifty minutes long. Fifty? Yeah, which is thrilling to me. <laughs> I, I, nothing excites me <laughs> yes. more. I'm going to eat an edible and watch two back right. to back. <laughs> when that news story hit, I just tweeted, "Why not go ahead and round it up to four? Yeah. <laughs> Don't leave anything on the cutting room floor. Give me everything. Give me, you got. Give me all of the rocks alts. Right. Give me all of them in a row, like a linearama feature on an Apatow DVD. Just while it's playing. Right. Yeah. Just. But he's got this line where he's briefing his team, and he goes like, "You know, they're some of the most dangerous criminals in the world. Between them, this, this, and that. He's listing all their things. He goes racketeering, this and that, this and that. We cannot let them leave the country. We cannot let them do this. And then he goes, and above all else, never, ever." let them get behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> and in that moment, the film, like the franchise becomes, like it grows up and it understands what it is. That's the first moment where like, uh, that's when like the the 17 year old co-ed learns that she's sexy, right? right? She's yeah. like, ooh, wait, I get what I could do. That The franchise at that moment goes, Oh, yeah. I have power. We have power. Let's get right. these. Don't get them behind the wheel of the car. It's right. like, who? This ragtag group of <laughs> ethnically diverse fucking friends? friends. Okay. Yeah. Who are all very, like, most of them have minor misdemeanors <laughs> yeah. at best. <laughs> yeah. And now they're fucking got, right. they all have AR-15s right. with, like, laser scopes. Right. So, A, the movies treat them like the most dangerous band of criminals in the world, even though they haven't all been unified as a group ever before. And, and Vin Diesel's been arrested 15 times right. in the plot. In the, he's the only one who's, the, like, highly dangerous. Right? But he's, what has he gotten arrested for? It like all weird minor yeah. shit. But he's uh, in the na- na- narrative of the movie. He's been arrested so many. Like it's so every everyone is like he's gone. He got yeah. caught. But most once they unite the group, most of these characters have not met each other. Most of these characters have not existed in the same movie. Does not come across. In right? This. They hit the ground running, and they're just a family. And it's like like Han and Ludacris. Han- like they could they couldn't have less to do with each other. Han is like fucking Gal Gadot minute like three yes. of the movie. Yes, <laughs> which is uh, an insanely hot couple. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. I- I love how chill Han is. He's like so like he's yes. he's you know what I said I I made the joke before the eth- this ethnically diverse group of yeah. but this is a a huge budget movie that features 
uh, I got I can't even name the ethnicity of half of the guys. Like, well, that's, like that's you tell thing. me. I thought Vin Diesel was biracial like my whole life. I think he is. He, it's kind of <laughs> unclear, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, but it is. It's like they're the the only like truly global film franchise, right? Like you see shit like The Great Wall where they're like, okay, we're trying to make like post globalization movies. So here's a Chinese film with Matt Damon in it, right? And it just feels like you're, this is forced. But Fast and Furious is the one franchise you look at where it's like, this feels like a reflection of the world today, even though it has no grounding in reality. Right. Because, But it feels like th- yeah. that's what my group of friends looks like. Right. One black, smooth-talking guy, right. two Brazilians that don't speak a word of English, <laughs> right. an Asian guy who's banging the hottest Israeli right. woman. <laughs> right. I mean, Gal Gadot is a fucking, in real life, is an ex-Massad agent. <laughs> like, Gal Gadot has killed people. Ludacris is a rapper. Dwayne Johnson is a is wrestler. wrestler. Right. Vin Diesel is a mom. Tumblr. Right, Paul right. Walker is uh, we're saying we're we're all cool calling him an actor. <laughs> right, right. But he's like the pretty boy. He's the token white guy in yeah. this franchise. <laughs> and it's just like this franchise where like anyone can see this movie and find some reflection of themselves in it. Right. In some way or another. You know, in terms of like your interests. You know, your ethnicity, your sexuality, like And there's something. always a PG thirteen butt shot in yes. every like Anytime they go to a new location, it's like, well, there's going to be some drinks by the beach where yeah, we hash right. some stuff out. Every because movie. Because we yeah. got to put Roman in fucking Capri's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got... Hold on. This just... Uh, is it the end of five or is it the one where Paul Walker... Is it six where they have... No. Which, is the, which one came out most recently? Seven, Seven. is the one where they go to... Uh, 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 where do they go? Abu Dhabi? Oh, Abu Dhabi. And they drive the, the supercar through, through three buildings. Yes. Um, this is the one he died filming, Paul yes. Walker. Right. And it ends with that tribute. Yeah. And uh, the most I, transcendent piece of cinema. I I was I cried in the movie theater. I, I bawled. And also I'm watching it the whole time thinking that they're gonna kill him yeah. in the movie. You know what I mean? I keep thinking that Paul Walker's characters, they're like, fuck, we have to just have him die right. here. So I keep thinking he's going to die. And, it, it, and and then that ending scene is just like, holy shit. This, it, um, that song that's playing, been a See You movie. Again, which is one of the biggest Oscar snubs of the last decade. It 100%. Was not even nominated. That's such... Yeah. Such bullshit. I'm getting chills talking about like my for- like all the hair on my forearm is standing up. I have legit goosebumps talking yeah. about this. And I was like, I can't believe yeah. that's how they ended this movie. It was so tactful. It's- which is like one thing that the franchise yeah. has never been. And and not it's not a subtle franchise. Like no, it's right. No, yeah. right. It's it's about functionality and it's about like maximalism. You and know? then that was just such and then that's when I was watching that, I was like, holy shit, all this family stuff yeah. is behind the scenes too. Yeah. And that's what I felt like. I was like, holy shit. And then you find out Vin Diesel names his daughter Paula. Yeah. <laughs> After Paul, yeah, Paula is not a name young girls are getting these days. No, that's amazing. So, uh, you know, hugely into five. Uh, remember seeing it opening day with with my friends, us all flipping out. He said, "Never let him get in a car." Suddenly, it's like, oh, cars are a mythical thing now. They're not means of transportation. Right. Cars are a weapon that allow them to do anything now. Yeah. And these characters are the most skilled at being. These are like the wheel samurai in their swords. It's yes. like don't let them get to that sword. Right. Like we can stop them. 
But I love the implication of like, if they get behind a wheel of a car, we're fucked. And we are the most elite unit of yes. military. <laughs> if you let them close the front door of a car, we're done. There's nothing well, we can do. It's out of our hands. Dodge Neon, we're fried. If they, right. they get a couple of Priuses, we'll never catch them. Right. But yeah. then you have these romance scenes where it's... Uh, uh, the Rock's like number two, yeah. the Brazilian cop, who who's kind is, of falling for Toretto, right? and he isn't sure if he's ready to fall into another relationship. She also lost the love of her life. They're both recovering from death of loved ones, <laughs> and they don't know if they're ready yet. And then he ends up saving her, and then he saves The Rock in that shootout where they're like oh, their yeah. friend turns on them, and oh, it all right. blows up. And there's the moment where The Rock is sitting on the ground. Three of his men get shot. He's screaming out in pain. The guys have the guns. They're held at him, right? And then out of nowhere, you just see the hand reach into the frame and grab him, and it's Dominic Toretto pulling him up. I really, I believe in the sanctity of the movie theater. You know, the movie theater is my church. You know, I, I have no tolerance for people who keep their phones on. Yeah, same here. Same. You know, a little conversation, you know, appropriate moments or whatever, but people who are really, you know. But at that moment... When, when he grabs his hand, I almost involuntarily screamed out at the top of my lungs, fast motherfucking five. <laughs> and the entire audience just exploded. <laughs> like, it was just, I, I had to say it, and it was like, I verbalized what you everyone was fast motherfucking five. fast motherfucking five. <laughs> and everyone went, like, ballistic. And we were just all in it together. And you were like, that was the tension breaker of yes. this. Like, everyone was like, this movie is going to be awesome. The Rock is joining them. It's like yeah. fucking anything is possible now in this franchise, right? right? And they know that. And they do that. And that's what they do in a couple more movies. It's right. like, uh, the, the next bad guy. He'll be the good guy in the movie after right, this. Right. He's like, hey, Jason Statham was fucking great. He's like, I don't know. Let's make him a good in the trailer for this right. one. The Rock's like, I'll get him. It's like, <laughs> But five ends with the post-credit thing of Letty actually being alive. That news being delivered by Eva Mendes, who hasn't been in a movie since two. Right. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? And then drops the picture. I remember because uh, the reason I want to talk about this was yeah. earlier you said I got a lot of my friends in on five who had never seen previous ones. I did that to a group of friends and they were like, what's happening here? <laughs> what is and I'm like, this is a woman who died. <laughs> yes. The main character who died a couple of movies. Ago. Yes. <laughs> and then six is like, weirdly focused on her yes. who's, she's now flipped over she's done a heel turn she's working with the bad guys but she's weirdly silent right. and this is like the first time they have sort of like a super villain they have this guy who's like as car focused as they are and he's got that flipper car he's at the low uh, with, yeah. and he cheats because he's got reinforced uh, right. uh, chassis right which is the most offensive thing that anyone could do and Diesel's like you, you yeah. used reinforced chassis I'm like you drove head first to this guy and weren't sure what he was working with car experts <laughs> but then but then they, they realize that she had amnesia that she doesn't remember who she is the movie ends with her jumping over to them and he goes do you remember now and she goes I don't but I want to try yeah, and it's this thing of like oh, that geez. sequence on the bridge is yeah. insane. Insane, by the way. Well, let's just let's just run through a couple of set pieces that are in these movies, especially sure. if no one's ever seen it, because I love rattling out of context set pieces. Yeah. isn't this the movie that has? Isn't the fast uh, franchise that where they were shooting a tank to got? They were shooting the tank. Turret? Six is the tank. Yeah, six is the tank where they're right. shooting the turret to guide it landing. Right. Correct. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're using a tank firing to help them direct where it's yes. and then drive it down the middle of the Correct. Uh, bridge. Yes. Correct. Okay. That's one random set piece in the in a few of the movies. 100% correct. <laughs> Another one is a car in uh, Abu Dhabi who's yeah. at like the top floor of a uh, skyscraper right. drives out of the side of the building and into another building uh, several floors lower and then out the side of that building into another building Three and buildings. then grinding to a uh, skidding to a, a drifting if you will to a stop and that's because as you said the master stroke of these movies is the way that they keep on making cars the central plot points they need a computer chip that a a billionaire prince is has chosen to hide inside his sports car <laughs> Which is on the hundredth floor of his private party. Right. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, it turns out we are the exact group of people for this job. <laughs> yeah, it keeps making less which is the one that opens with cars parachuting down to that. That seven to- has that too. Seven is is the one where the cars jump out of the plane to right. land on the mountain to to chase to Tony Chum- Hunsu. And oh, Tony Ja. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. In a bus. Yes. <laughs> in a bus, a bad guy bus. A bad guy bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they drive. That, that's the other thing. He's Don't... literally driving like a G.I. Joe Cobra playset. Right. Exactly. It's like it's got like 17 turrets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's like five armed guards <laughs> right, standing right. in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the a fucking RV for uh, terrorists. Right. Right. And we have cars that they... They can't have the... There's the only way to get on this ridge, apparently. They have to get this mountain, and if they drive up the mountain, people will find them. So they have to get to the top of the mountain first and then drive down. (laughs) And so they parachute inside of cars. Yes. And Roman doesn't want to go. Tyrese's character doesn't want to go. They force him. And they force him to do it. They force him. (laughs) They're like, I thought so. And Ludacris is like, I knew he would pussy out. Yeah. And pushes a button that shoots him out of the car. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but so I remember after six, uh, I know they're filming seven. I'm pumped as shit, right? Um, Furious Seven's an unbelievable title. Yes, <laughs> right. It's already I'm like just so primed. Seven is such a high number, and there's like eleven great movies that have seven right, in the title. Right. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, we're having Kurt Russell here, <laughs> and now it's like they're the A team. Like the government calls them when they need a dirty job done right. Kurt, Kurt Russell was such a great addition because oh he's God. like. He says one line. You want to talk about lines that kick off franchises? Yeah. He says one line in this movie that will justify everything going forward. He's like, "Let me know what you guys need. We got everything." And yes. then it's like, then they get into a weird banter about Belgian versus Corona, or right? Whatever. Right. But what that sets up is like, guys, literally, we could do any kind we of stunt we want, anything. Which is also what Universal Studios is saying to any director they meet with for this franchise, <laughs> right. like just anything you want to do. I have a friend who said he heard firsthand from a director who interviewed for, uh, I think, Seven. He was like on the short list of directors for Seven. He wasn't really interested in his agent, was like, just go and please take the meeting. <laughs> and they said to him, name any action set piece you've dreamt of doing, <laughs> and we will write it for you. <laughs> like, what do you want to do? What do you want to blow up? Where do you want to drop a car from? Oh, you tell us now, and we'll write that into the script, and you get to execute it with a full budget. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. But Vin has this real steady hand of like the character mythology, the emotional right. arcs, and then they write the set pieces around that. Right. And I love the 
family really comes into play in five. We say family like a hundred yeah. times. There's like 20 toasts. He gives that speech, the big toast with the Coronas, where yeah. he goes like, no matter what happens, what will always matter the most is the people in this room right now. Right. That's the end of five, right? Yeah. yeah. It's right before they go out in the final mission. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Gotta have a couple of beers the night yeah. before <laughs> right, the final right. mission. <laughs> right. Uh, but right. It's, yeah, it's so good. And then the family thing becomes so strong. Han keeps on staying alive. Uh, Han will die in six. In though. six. That's the plain, the never-ending runway uh, set piece. Giselle sacrifice. Right, right, that set piece. There's the, <laughs> right, there's the the uh, plane runway that lasts for 20 minutes. <laughs> right. And someone calculated, like, okay, if the plane was driving straight, how long would that runway need to be? And it was like <laughs> 2 million miles. Because <laughs> it goes on for yeah. a long time. And yeah. that's a great, that's a... That's an action set piece taking yeah. place amongst five different vehicles all driving in the same direction. Right. And then it's also like inside the belly of the plane, uh, uh, the uh, Owen Shaw. Yeah. Uh, he has uh, men. His henchmen are all like bizarro versions of. They're, it's the uh, citizens on patrol. Uh, right. The I forget which police academy it is, but it's literally where like Tackleberry meets another guy with guns. Right. Hightower fights a big guy, and there's another right. Asian karate guy. Right. Yeah. Because that's we, they add Gina Carano in six and Ronda Rousey in seven, which is so awesome. The two, yeah, like they just know what they're doing. It's they like, know exactly like who you want to be in those. Tony Ja, yeah, Jiman Hansu, yeah. fucking uh, wait, what did you just say her name? I forgot. Gina Carano, right? Like all of these people are just in Kurt Russell. These yes. are all people who action movie people love, right? And in national people love too they, they weirdly don't feel overly obvious right they, like there's something like if bruce willis got cast in a fast and furious movie i wouldn't complain but there it would seem a little too like a to b right but if john cena was in one or yes. like mark Wahlberg, like someone like yes. that would be such an insane guy <laughs> well I'll t- I'll, i think at the end of this episode i can i'll give you my wish list of, of people i want to join the franchise because i got a, a running list of some people i really want to oh, be okay uh introduced but uh big on six they announced seven they announced the new cast members the title is great james wan's doing it we did the fucking conjuring and like the first saw <laughs> and i was like the great 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 all into all of this and then i hear the news that like paul walker dies and i remember walking out of my bedroom and my roommates were there sitting on the couch and I delivered it to them as if a, like truly a family member had died family yeah <laughs> and I was like I might need um some time alone that's so it makes sense though that's fucking yeah. Paul Walker now right. you're you've watched six movies yes. with him so we know he dies in a car crash where people were like so ironic and I was like no so poetic right <laughs> like look I wish the guy was still alive but, but like, if you're gonna die, die the way you live. Die. Oh God, <laughs> you know, you sound like you sound like Toretto in that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> die the way you live. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but there was this question of like, oh, they were on a break from shooting. They've shot in a percentage of it, but like not enough. How are they going to get around this? Right. And the movie went on break for a long time, for like two or three months. There were all these swirling questions of like, it's going to be the biggest insurance payout in history. Are they going to scrap what they have and start over from square one? Are they going to try to work around what they have? Apparently, they had like shot it in a weird order where they had shot like certain dialogue scenes, but not the action scenes that go alongside them. So they had like not even like complete sections, yeah. but like missing pieces. And uh, you know they ended up doing this thing where they said, okay, they got his brothers. They look kind of similar. We're going to use CGI mostly. You know, we're not going to have to create dialogue scenes really there's a couple of phone there's a couple of weird phone scenes that yes. have way more weight than they should yes. in a normal but script that, but that was fucking shot beforehand that's what's crazy the phone sh- scene they just had 
That's what's insane. Because I thought they were like faking it with the CGI. I did like too. A phone would be easier to do because we right. already shot her, you know, or right. like. So, so all I know is, you know, they said we're going to try to make it fit together and we're going to make this, you know, a, a tribute to Paul. And that's all they were saying. And everyone was like, no idea how they deal with his death. Yeah. And also, that's what my big concern was like, this movie doesn't do anything with kid right. gloves on. They, right. Like, they cannot do this. There's correctly. no way they're going to handle this correctly. <laughs> so it screens at South by Southwest. And the reviews, people flip out and they go like, it's insane. The ending is insanely emotional. People go like, I don't like this franchise, but I was bawling at the end of this. <laughs> and apparently Neil Moritz, the, the other main producer of the franchise, came out and was like, please don't ruin the ending. You know, we've worked really hard to maintain secrecy here. We know everyone, you know, the circumstances behind this movie are so bizarre and so emotional that we don't want people to know. So I was like, I don't trust that I won't accidentally hear it. So I reached out to like all my friends who are entertainment writers and critics. And I was like, can anyone get me into a screening? And someone got me into a screening. So I saw it early, right? And I went to this critic screening. And I, I, I had a handmade t-shirt. <laughs> I took a white hands t-shirt. And with a Sharpie, I drew on it. A washable Sharpie, like a laundry marker. <laughs> I drew a car and then wrote, I am fast and furious, vroom, vroom. <laughs> And I'm at a critic screening, so like no one else there is like yeah. like fanning for this, yeah, right? They, they think you're lights, camera, Jackson. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. That's what I looked like. Yeah. It's me, kid reporter. Right. Yes. <laughs> truly. Right. And I'm like so overzealous for this thing, but also nervous because I'm just like I don't I don't fucking know what they're gonna do. I know no way right. I thought they were gonna handle this one. And I'm watching it. and I'm like, okay, this is the most movie I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> like it is like the amount of set pieces, the amount of characters, the amount of plot twists, the amount of emotions. And there's this added juice to the movie, which is you're sitting there watching it, knowing he died at some point during production. And the whole time you're like, when are they going to run out of footage? Right. And there are all these scenes because the franchise has increasingly become about these life or death stakes and these characters surviving things no one would ever survive in real life where you're like, yeah, but he might just die at the end of the scene. Right. That's why I kept I could not. I'm like. Oh, this is this. Oh, this is right. where he dies. Right, because oh, he almost this is falls definitely off a cliff. Where, yeah. There's right. like a bag of grenades thrown into a helicopter. All of it's it. like so much. And you're like waiting for it and waiting for it. All these scenes he survives, and you're like, thank God. And there are some action sequences where it's like, okay, now he's in a lot of shadows. You can tell they use a double for that. Right. Yeah. Or there are a couple times they cut to him behind the wheel of a car and he's holding a walkie-talkie over his mouth. Yeah. And it's clear that they just like use those 10 seconds of footage because they could loop any yeah, dialogue loop any over it. Line, right. Yeah. yeah, there is that sequence where it's like, we're going in, you ready? It's like, hit right. the lights. <laughs> but you're getting like occasional reaction shots that are clearly a CGI Paul Walker. Right. But they're usually pretty good at like not making it a close-up, not having him do dialogue or emotional stuff so it's not too creepy and you're like, okay, they're just, yeah. they're fixing the pieces together. And at the end of the movie, they do the death fake out with Dom. Right. And you're like, well, how are they going to deal with Paul Walker? What's going on here? And they think Dom's dead. And they go, do you remember? And he goes, I remember everything. And it turns out that he and Michelle Williams had gotten married. And everyone's happy. <laughs> and you're like, well, this is clearly how they wrote the ending. Right. Before Paul Walker died. This was always the plan. You already have the scene where he calls up fucking Jordana Brewster, his and wife and mother of he two like, children. Yeah. He's talking like he's going to die. I may not come home. I want you to know how much I love you. And they're yeah. crying on the phone. And you're watching this actor, like, say goodbye. Right. To to the mortal realm. <laughs> and you know, yeah, it's the, the weight, like, knowing what's going on, like, that's yeah. just brutal. But that's yeah. 100% real footage that they got before he died. Oh, wow. Okay? So then the movie does the cut to them suddenly on a beach. Which is, all... like, how almost all of them end in a weird right. way. And you're like, wait, but what about... They got to do something. How are they saying goodbye to Paul Walker? He made it through all of this alive. What's going on? 
They're all just kicking back, drinking Coronas. And off in the distance, weird CGI Paul Walker, who looks kind of heavenly. Yeah, he's in all white. Right. My favorite of any Vin Diesel, any um, visual Vin Diesel, any frame, any vignette is him arriving to the beach in white pants and a white white beater. It's like Vin Diesel does not wear white pants. Come on. White pants after Labor Day. Dominic Toretto does not wear white linen pants with a white beater and his big fucking cross (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) But they're there on the beach and he's off in the distance and you you always like, you know, when I feel like when movies do the de-aging of the actors or an actor who died, they do the CGI stuff. The Grand Moff Tarkin stuff in Rogue right. One drove me flips crazy. me out. Yeah. The Carrie Russell, uh, Carrie Russell, Carrie Fisher thing. The Carrie Russell thing is really fucked up. <laughs> really <laughs> fucked they up. They tried to squeeze that Felicity tie yeah. in. <laughs> JJ is flexing JJ's way too much muscle on these movies. <laughs> Um, but even like uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in the two uh, Hunger Games movies after he died, they had yeah. to do some scenes where they cut CGI reaction shots and always oh, feels a little weird. But this movie, it's like they embrace the uncanny valley right? and they make him look angelic, not just in the fact that he's dressed in white, but they make him look too perfect. And he also was like genetically the most handsome man of all yeah. time. Yeah. He has high cheekbones, great eyes. But right. Yeah, right. He's like a Ken doll. So they just like own it. And they're like, he looks like a ghost. Right. <laughs> Who's like come back down to earth and is like saying goodbye to us. And they have this thing where they go like, you know, this he doesn't belong here with us anymore. He belongs there with them. You see him in the water playing with the kids. And it's this moment where you realize like, oh, fuck, that's what they're going to do. They're not going to kill off Paul Walker. He's going to retire. But they're going to decide that he has to retire. And I'm getting choked up as I start talking about this. But they decide we need to leave him. Because family is so strong that he will stick by us for as long as he can. Right. And we have to leave him so he can be with his family. Because that's what matters. And so they do this series of like tracking close-ups, right? Of every individual member of the family looking at Paul Walker. And it's essentially they give each cast member their moment to like say goodbye. Their little nod, the little like welling in their eyes, right? And it ends with Vin. And he walks away. And he gets into the car and he starts driving and the song starts playing. Oh, right. And uh, it cuts to this as he's driving away, this montage of the movies. And you're watching a film franchise that has spanned 15 years now. Where it's, and it's so hinges on zeitgeisty stuff that it. The style and the like the, the everything changes because everyone is such an individual in all these right. movies. It's like holy shit when you see ten years ago. Like I know what I looked like ten years ago, right. and it's embarrassing. Like if you right. were trying to look as late nineties as possible, <laughs> I, I, this this montage framed buried within the ending of this film has the same power of like boyhood, where you're right. just like <laughs> seeing time passing and these characters grow, and you're like, oh right, that's what we were listening to at that point in time. That's what we were driving at that point. Right. Right. <laughs> and um and also even just that like the first movie shot on like film and by the end the franchise is so digital right and you're seeing like oh that's like a low light level like <laughs> it's like a slow film stock and now they're like shooting on red cameras and shit um so i'm like okay that's what they're doing and i'm already getting choked up i'm losing it at this point and it's like I the movie it. is just doffing its cap and going like goodbye paul we're gonna have the goodbye happen off screen right, right? the song's playing that's what we're going to do. And you're like classy, elegant, less is more. Okay, that's the thing. And the montage ends and Vin's there at the car and he's at like a crossway. 
and who pulls up next to him but beautiful cgi angel paul walker in the car from the original film that thing you never had me right yeah this, this you, thing they keep on invoking of the race they had who really won and over the course of the series they, they keep on talk doing about the it for seven movies for seven movies they're con well they're in five of the seven movies but they're constantly bringing up that one race they had right. who really won it right i let you win it you right know, yeah. and this is like the weird like loop together like you know adr like dead paul walker brothers trying to make his voice yeah, right yeah. but they say like you really were gonna leave without saying goodbye and and then you see Vin look over, see Paul Walker. Paul Walker smiles with his beautiful CGI face. And th- essentially the franchise is going like, you thought we were gonna let you off easy. No, we're gonna we're gonna fucking destroy you emotionally. Yeah. And it's the two of them, like what has been the subtext of this entire franchise, which everyone always joked was homoerotic. Right. But I think beyond homoerotic is just about love as an abstract concept. If I can get so locked. <laughs> wow. You know? I, I could back you up. I can I could take this path with you. Here. Right? Because especially this the sense of family that is built in these films, how disparate the family is, how many different sections they come in, they lose members, they gain members, all of this. Yeah, like the rock is rolled into their family. He's their right. enemy. And then Hobbes in six is like, we do what we need to do for our own kind. And in you know? seven, when Hobbes's daughter meets Dominic Toretto, she goes, who's this? And he goes, an old friend. <laughs> an old friend who I spent two years chasing. <laughs> an old friend who I think you might remember a month ago or five years ago. I forget the line, uh, right, how right. these movies line up. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's really, I forgot about that. Right. Oh, and it's like, now we reveal that Hobbes as a family. <laughs> right, and now we've also come full circle because now seven is the first one that takes place after three since two. <laughs> Right, now because now everyone... they kill Han in the credits of six and reveal that the man who killed Han, the scene we already saw before, was, was Statham, Statham, who is the uh, other Shaw's brother. Right, so already it was an emotionally loaded movie. Before right. the Paul Walker thing comes in, it was already a vengeance film. <laughs> and they already they have those lines in there where like Ludacris goes like, "We can't lose another." Right, you know, right. I forgot about that. But then it's this thing where just like Paul Walker and Vin Diesel look each other in the eyes, and the film essentially like gave Vin Diesel the gift of like. We're going to let you say goodbye to Paul in the way you never got to. And as they race, they have like this friend race that's like a fucking Astaire and Rogers dance. Yeah. <laughs> like it's no longer competitive. It's about like the magistry of them driving their vehicles together. Yeah, that fucking helicopter shot of the two cars. Like, right? Yeah. So dope. And over that, with the song still playing, Vin Diesel in voiceover starts reading like a poem. <laughs> he reads like a fucking like. Like the like, we started out as brothers. It's something right, like yeah. you read it like uh, when a platoon mate is killed in yes. Vietnam or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and he doesn't <laughs> use specific names, so it's clear that it's like, oh, this is a thing that Vin Diesel wrote about Paul Walker, right? And he forced them to let him put it in the movie, or they were okay with it. Either right. way, it works. Like the yeah. movie folds in on itself, and rather than trying to be like, okay, we got to be tasteful about this, he died. Let's pretend like nothing happened. The movie is like, we know that you're all sitting here wondering how we're going to deal with this. So we're just going to make the last 10 minutes into a eulogy. Yeah. And it's, it was beautiful. It's beautiful. And then, and then of course, how do you fucking end the helicopter shot? And there's a fork in the road and the two cars go their separate ways. And as it fades to black, you hear Vin say, you will always be my brother. Oh, I mean, come the fuck on seriously so i at this point was writing so hard for these movies talked to them all the time and people always thought like is this a joke because i like hate cars right i don't have a driver's license right <laughs> i'm i'm what most people would call a beta male 
best and a, a cuck snowflake at worst, right? And here are these movies that are just about like machismo and fucking yeah. like motor oil. It brings people together. It's bipartisan. Yeah. It reaches across the aisle. And right. We can all just get behind Toretto. Right. And it's just fucking functional, smart filmmaking. And I started like selling my family on it. And they were like, this is one of those dumb things that you like. Yeah. But they all uh, fold and, and decide. My dad is like, can I see one of these things with you? I want to see what it is. So he goes to see seven with me. I gave him like the crash course. I gave him like five minutes, like very little. They're on the run. Paul Walker used to be an FBI agent. Michelle Rodriguez used to be dead. <laughs> Those are the basic things you need to know, right? Because I'd already seen it once at this point. Yeah. So I knew what was relevant. And he like, by the end of it was like, that's the most incredible movie I've ever seen. That's so amazing. And then my mom went and saw it by herself, like on a Tuesday afternoon. Because your dad was probably talking about it yeah. nonstop around the house. And she was like, I couldn't stop crying. And I have no attachment to this franchise. I've never seen Paul Walker in anything. It's, it's a, the movie works. You get it. You just get it. It's Ugh. like infectious. My grandma's into Fast and Furious now. <laughs> That's so amazing. It, it won't be until John Wick uh, that I decide, that a movie I really love, I'm comfortable pushing on other people sure because like fast five was the first one where i was like my brothers i was like you gotta go see this movie they're yeah. like you see every movie i'm right. like no trust I'm me that, yeah you. yeah and it wasn't until john wick again where i was yeah. like this is something special That's and the- wick is moving in a very fast and furious direction oh yeah it's yeah. heightening almost pitch per- like almost right. perfectly it's like i mean they they got the work it took they got four Fast and Furious movies worth of work done in two films. Right, right. They laid all the groundwork. You know who's dead, who's his friend, who's right. not. And in the first one, it's one guy wants to kill him. In yeah. the second one, it's everybody. In the right. third one, it's the world. Right. <laughs> that moment at the end of three where he's walking through Central Park and everyone's answering their phones. Oh, it's like, wait a minute. Is it 10% that aren't assassins? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Spoiler alert for John Wick. We learn that most of society is assassins. It, right. It's part of an ancient league of assassins run through hotels <laughs> with gold coins and blood packs. I fucking love it. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Um, let's talk. What 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 do we love from the trailer for uh, The Furious 8? The, well, so the fate of The Furious. The question is, where do you go from 7? Right? You're not going to get more emotional than that. You've right. lost this kind of backbone of the franchise. I mean, you know, I'm sure Jordana Brewster's in it, but not in the same capacity. Right. It would be too weird. Right. Too weird. And Paul Walker's definitely gone. And, and so- she, and he, He's allegedly living with her and her family, having a normal family life. Which I think is the nicest thing the movie could have done. Is right. just gone like, he's happy. Yeah. He's going to be happy. It's what Paul would have wanted, you know? Fuck, <laughs> I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's what Paul would have wanted. straight up have tight tears in my eyes talking about Paul. The movie came out like a year and a half ago. I can attest that John just wiped tears away from his eyes. I'm losing my fucking mind as I get older. So, like, they were, like, there was a lockdown on, like, anything about the new movie. And, like, right. a couple cast announcements came out. The big thing was, like, here are the new locations. Yeah. They're going to Reykjavik. Awesome. New York and Havana. <laughs> Love it. First American movie to film in Havana. <laughs> of course. Right? <laughs> Of Since course. Like 1940. So of course, you yeah. want Vin Diesel to be <laughs> right. the first guy to be. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then beyond that, it was like, what's going on here? They uh, cast Scott Eastwood, who seems to be like a Paul Walker replacement. Yes. Analog. He's playing a underling of Kurt Russell's character, who I think will probably make a similar leap from the right side of the law to the gray side of the law. Right, yeah. Because they're kind of working for the government now. Right. Yeah, because well, yeah. Kurt Russell like justifies all their... Oh, 
in I don't exist. My name's Mr. Nobody. Who do I work for? <laughs> Nothing. You know, it's yeah. like a secret organization. In seven, it was really weird when they were like, uh, well, there's only one place we can do it, a place we know, LA. And it's yeah. like, wait, you brought like a war upon your own home city? <laughs> yeah. Like, why didn't you fight them in the desert in Dubai? Yeah. Where right. and now there's just drones like spraying bullets up streets. Right. It's like you brought them to your house. Right. And <laughs> and I'm sorry, uh, talking about great action moments in the franchise. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, <laughs> breaking out of a hospital where he is bedridden, right? Oh. Stealing an ambulance, flexes, flexes out of a cast, flexes out of his cast. <laughs> goes, honey, daddy's got to go to work, right? <laughs> flexes out of his cast, grabs the ambulance, drives the ambulance off a bridge so that it hits a helicopter out of the sky that was going to shoot down Michelle Rodriguez, and then with the downed helicopter, he breaks out of. The, the fucking windshield of his ambulance, right? Takes the... <laughs> the fucking gun turret from the helicopter. And for some reason, it has a trigger on it, even yes. though it's like a drone machine yes. gun or whatever. <laughs> and he's fucking stand there, oiled up to yeah. all fucks, spraying his fucking chain gun. Unbelievable. Like Jesse the Body in Predator. Right. And yeah. you just go like, how do you top this? How do you top this? And then the death at the end of it, like what is specifics do you're not going to be able to replicate these elements? No one knows what it's about. And the trailer comes out, and Jesus Christ, it's a fucking heel turn. Vin Diesel is a bad guy. Dom turns on the family. He's making out with Charlize Theron in front of Michelle Rodriguez. What what could cause this? There's still only been one trailer. Right. I feel like they've done a really good job keeping a lid on it because there's definitely some weird explanation for what's going on. Right. And it's and it's gonna be I think it's gonna be like kind of upsettingly hacky is my guess like i'm worried that it's gonna be yeah. mind control i feel like the answer might be she's got him by the somethings and he has to do what she says here's my prediction it's that yeah it's it's that she has something on him and he has to turn against his family in order to save them right it's like almost like she has it won't be this because it would be disrespectful yeah. but like she knows where paul walker and jordana right. brewster are and is going to take them out or right something like that. something like that but it is like you know, something like the Star Wars universe, the Marvel universe, it's like, okay, these things, they're mythologies that can go so big, anything's possible, that to a certain degree, you want them to rein it in and right. get focus and set limitations, you know? Like, the Star Wars prequels, it's like Lucas is doing too much. Wait. And you want him to, like, focus up. Right. And create restrictions. But Fast and Furious, because it started with, like, ten people racing in an alleyway, right. they can kind of get away with heightening to any crazy point because it's like... They're not breaking any pre-established rules in a way. Right. Well, I love that Jason They're, Statham right. is back as right. a good guy. That's right. so amazing. He could foreseeably be in the rest of the movies. Right. And no one will bat an eye as to why this dude. Maybe uh, Tyrese will always say something like, well, I'm not getting in the car with this guy. Right. Know, some sort of like. But they're just constantly like pushing the walls a little bit to go like, how much further can we bend this thing? You know? Yeah. And then you have Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. Cameron Diaz, so I forget who made the joke. Someone was like, Cameron Diaz is like, yeah, I'll do the movie. And they're like, all right, this scene you got to kiss. Theron. Oh, Charlie Stone. Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even bigger, an actual right, actor. Right. An Academy Award winner. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. all right, in this scene you just got to kiss Vin Diesel. She's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking Charlie Theron. And she's got like Rachel Dolezal dreadlocks in it. Her character's name is Cypher. Yes, I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, There's my... a submarine blasting through ice as they're yes. all driving on ice finally yeah i mean i think uh i, I don't know where getting I mean, my brother i've been talking with him about it he's very cautious he feels like uh 
having Vin turn on the team is a move of creative bankruptcy. Right. I I have such inherent faith in them that it's like if that was a development in any other franchise, I'd be like, fuck this. And yeah. with them, it's like I trust that they know what they're doing and they're doing it for a reason. It makes sense for the eighth movie. Yes. It's like justify like when you think about that we're watching right. the eighth film of Which a franchise. Insane. <laughs> Which is insane. There are I've watched Fast and Furious movie. More than like 18 hours yes. of footage of yes. these people. Right. <laughs> of edited, finished footage. Right. But if we've already lost Paul Walker, like, why not do the movie that tests, like, his commitment to his family? Right, right. Because that was, like, the strongest relationship he had. Oh, I'm so curious what they're going to do. Oh, man. Me too. Uh, uh, well, if uh, I don't think you'll be in town for it, but we should go. We should be in touch. Oh, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Maybe we should do a follow up uh, Fast 8 because I'll be coming to New York a, a few times. We should do a follow up. We should do, we should do a bonus of- episode. So I started uh, a change.org petition that was addressed to Barack Obama and Comcast, NBC Universal, (laughs) um, about a year ago, I guess, to get myself cast in Furious uh, 8, now now revealed to be titled The Fate of the Furious, because I knew they were filming in New York and uh, got like a little bit of traction for it and then got cast in this uh, TV show. Uh, that I'm about to go film. And like when I got this part in the show, I was like, okay, I'm going to put my petition on ice. Because before it was like a make a wish foundation kind of thing. And now you're just the guy asking for more work at this point. Right. Yeah. And now it's like, if this show turns into anything, there's nothing else I want to spend my capital on than to like find some way to like. I mean, here's my pitch, right? If they just want to go, okay, get off our lawn, Here, here's your part, have fun, right? It's there's a scene. There's a security guard. Excuse me, you don't have clearance to come in here. Vin Diesel takes out a gun. I go, that's good. That's good enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can fulfill that part easily. <laughs> Knock it out. Yeah, you know the DC Pearson Apple Store employee exactly. of Winter right. Soldier. I can do that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I I can be a cock that they that they threaten. Right. <laughs> Essentially, but what I really want is. Uh, we don't have any male Jewish representation in the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, wow. And you want to f- be a, a rabbi that rolls wanna, with the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to be the token Jew. <laughs> I want to be the token Jew without a driver's license who they need to recruit onto the team. I have some specialty. Probably I'm just financing the mission or whatever it is. You know? Or, right, there's some, like, you have the accounting information that right. needs to... Uh, right, uh, it's on a constant loop. It's on a ship that's flying right. over it. So we have to map the exact coordinates and drive underneath right. at the perfect speed. So they can get access to my trust fund or yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And here's the bad news. Yeah. Never drops below 100 miles an hour. <laughs> right, right. Not a problem. And then you're just in the passenger seat yeah. and like a, like sweating. Right. Blue in the well, and then the third act, like like payoff, is that like everyone else is indisposed or captured. And in order to save the day, I have to get behind the wheel of a car <laughs> with no experience, with no license, yeah. and save the day. Love a guy who wants to... Uh, uh, set up a petition for himself to be in a movie, but then if given that, giving me an inch, motherfucker, gonna make a jump rope. When he's like, um, I would like to save the day if yeah, at all look, possible. Look, look, I do anything to be in a Fast and Furious movie, but I have to save the day, and I'm not gonna learn how to drive. <laughs> but other than that, I'll do anything. Those are my only two demands. It's so funny that you said that, and we won't get into any more details, but I want nothing more than for my career to blow up so I can make these things where I'm like, I just want to be get killed by Steven Seagal in the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even give a fuck. We, were, we had, like, a Twitter exchange where we were talking about, like, the parts we want to play. And right, shit. right. We were DMing about, like, I just want to do, like, this. Yeah. I just want to be, like, punched by this actor. Right. You know? Yeah. 
you just like they're like things you just want to like check off right and it's like yeah and i'm worried that i'm gonna be when i finally get to be if i if it ever comes yeah. it's, i'm gonna be too old to be in, like ben rogers one time depressingly told me we're too old to be in war movies now and it's like, ooh, and then I see on fucking Shane Black's Twitter, he's Keegan Michael Key is in the yeah. new Predator. And yeah, I'm like, is. okay, uh, yeah. anyone could grab a gun. Fucking Walton Goggins has got to be in his late 40s. Yeah. And he's on fucking six, a SEAL yeah. Team Six drama. And, and John, <laughs> Helen Mirren. <laughs> Right, right, is in Fate of the Furious. It's never too late. Kurt Russell is like 20 years out of being in a movie, period. never (laughs) too late. Yeah. Yeah. This franchise, the rules don't apply. I fucking love it. Um, Well, Griffin, we'll talk about Fast... We'll have you back. To a bonus episode. We'll definitely have you back. We. I'll have you back on to talk. You and Artie. (laughs) Me and Artie. Artie's got to go with me to the theater to see uh, uh, Fate of the Furious. It's called The Fate of the Furious. It's so awesome. And they intend to make 10 movies, right? They have dates set for nine and ten. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, I love that phonetically they worked eight into the title, but didn't put a numeral in there. <laughs> right. They did the fate of the Furious. Yeah, I wish it was F eight of the Furious. I did. T- I thought they were just going to call it fate for a while. I thought that's <laughs> oh, what they were going to do. Fate. I thought oh, that's what they that's, were going to do. Oh, that's cool. We but should I, call it that. Yeah, let's call that's it shorthand. Fate. But I like fate of the Furious because it's like operatic. Yeah, we're getting back to like a lot of words in the title. Yeah, the fate of the Furious yeah. is like a fucking Decemberist song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a concept album, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's Neutral Milk Hotels. Yeah, fun comeback. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, what. What can people? What's your Twitter handle? Where can people yell at us about their opinions about Fast? Yeah, and how please, wrong we were. Do. Yeah, um, I'm on. Twitter Griff Lightning at, like Grease Lightning yeah but, but Griff. with Griff mm-hmm. uh, I have a movie podcast I host with uh, David Sims who's a film critic called Blank Check yes. you can check out we go through directors go through their movies one by one oh that's awesome I've been pushing to do Fast and Furious as a franchise for a while yeah that could, you, I think if you can do directors or franchises I think, I I think, think so that's too allowed. yeah uh, yeah and then uh, I'm on the TV show The Tick which will be premiering uh, in the summer on yes Amazon. check out The Tick on Amazon if you weren't already I feel like the Venn diagram of people listening to my podcast probably includes some people who are excited to see The Tick series <laughs> what if Amazon comes back to me and they're like we got this insane Gabris bump <laughs> yeah, you won't believe 90% of our viewers are coming from High and Mighty yeah we're getting a lot of people from High and Mighty uh, and apparently bodybuilding.com forums <laughs> traffic is through the roof again as well. <laughs> like the weirdest fan base of I have of nerd and meatheads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at Griff Lightning, check out yeah. the tick. Check out your podcast, the Blank Check Pod. Yeah. And blank I'll check. and I'll be appearing in uh, Fast and Furious Nine. And most likely you will be yeah. saving. <laughs> so in Fast Nine, when you're like, how are they gonna get out of this? Just know that uh, Jewish ex Machina <laughs> is on his way. <laughs> As always, I'm at John Gabrus. No H's. Buy a high and mighty T-shirt. Rate me five stars. Roast me in the comments. And guys, go see Fate of the Furies. Please do. It's it, you're only hurting yourself if you don't. <laughs> you know what? I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. You know what? I don't care if you go see it or not. It's your loss, yeah. listeners. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna see it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. Right. You you make your own bed. You have to sleep. In it. <laughs> yeah, that's your fault. Yeah. When right. you're at a party and you hear people explaining set pieces out of context, you're gonna <laughs> shit a brick. They have a submarine. Someone shoots a submarine through the ground. They're like, oh no! The ice. They're racing on the ice in Reykjavik, <laughs> and a submarine crashes through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Bye, shit. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>